Welcome to the 40 Under 40 podcast with your hosts, Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. They are two entrepreneurs who speak to other entrepreneurs under the age of 40, so you can learn from their successes and failures along their journeys of building businesses. 40 Under 40 podcast hopes to educate, motivate, and inspire people to pursue their dreams of starting a business, regardless of age. And now, here are your hosts, Caitlin and AJ. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. (laughs) It gets better every time. (laughs) Welcome back to 40 Under 40. Yeah, we're excited. Today's going to be a good one, Caitlin. How are you doing? You know, I'm great. I (laughs) recently, recently... I so it's not spring, which I realize, but right. my spring my spring cleaning did get pushed back to just a couple of days ago. So therefore it's post spring cleaning. Wow. <laughs> so how was it? It was exhausting. I thought you had a cleaning lady. She can't do that. Not like organizational stuff. Like True. I can't, you There's know. Like people that you need to do. Exactly. Well, yeah. we have an organizational chick coming on right now. So oh this my is gosh, a... how relevant. <laughs> right? Absolutely like crazy. So timely with our topics. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Do you want to read it? Yeah. So Regina, Dr. Regina Lark is our guest today. She founded A Clear Path, Professional Organizing and Productivity. She's a featured speaker and educator on issues ranging from productivity, hoarding, and women's leadership. Lots of great stuff here. She has so she has so so much to talk about. She's a certified professional organizer. She has her PhD. We're going to get into all that. I kind of want her to just like take it away. Yeah, she's also the author of three books, which we're going to talk about as well, I'm sure. Let's mm-hmm. just bring her on. Regina, welcome. So great to have you. Yay, Thank welcome. You. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited for this. So Let's just like, just start from the beginning, like take us through your very interesting journey of like getting your PhD, being a professor and then launching a business. Well, let me just say this about that. You don't get a PhD. You earn (laughs) it. it. So. Oh boy. We're off to a rough start. (laughs) I'm kind of a wordsmith. I will never walk into a room full of women and say, Hey, you guys, cause that's not what I see anyway. Mm. Move on. So. Oh, good. Uh, so I'm kind of an accidental PhD in that I had been a college student for many, many years. And I I was, uh, I was at Pierce college, which is the community college in Southern California. And it was, I was there for 12 years. I call it the AA, the long, hard way. And, and then I transferred to Cal state Northridge to finish up the bachelor's degree. And in those first few months at Northridge, I went home. I, I, I uh, at the time I was living with my my then spouse Mitch. I hadn't come out. I came out as lesbian when I was thirty five, uh, oh. and Mitch being in my life from the age of like twenty five, twenty six, and then for those twelve years, he was a hugely positive influence on my life. He was he was raised with uh, a conceive, believe, achieve mentality. And so one day I came home and I said, Mitch, there's, you know, after the bachelor's, there's a MA, a master's and a PhD. And he goes, which one's better? I said, the PhD goes, well, let's just do that. And I said, okay, (laughs) there you go. I just embarked on a program of study and, and I finished the age of 40 and I 
Upon conclusion of my doctorate, I became the world's English-speaking expert on marriages between Japanese women and American soldiers who met and married during the U.S. occupation of Japan. So I'm a Japanese war specialist. Who knew the world needed one of those? And (laughs) last year, I uh, was doing some, some... a project at home and I came across my uh, audio cassettes from all the interviews I did with Japanese war brides and their spouses and their adult children when I was in Japan with them. And I didn't want to discard them. I felt like a client. I didn't want to discard them. So I started, <laughs> I started a conversation with the archivist at the Japanese American National Museum. And lo and behold, after I sent them a copy of my manuscript, uh, they accepted the donation of my tapes. And that was very exciting because now any other Mm -hmm. scholars have those to stand on. And then at about the same time, uh, two of six chapters from my dissertation were smooshed together and they became an article in an anthology on women in war. So I was able to finally publish on my war brides, deal with the tapes, and now it's behind me. Although somebody asked me to be on their podcast next week to talk about the, the brides. Wow. So they're coming back. So it's still a thing. Yeah. So what, so just give us a quick, like, what is your business now? Cause I want to well, talk about how is I was in higher ed and in summer of 08, I went to Jerusalem to visit a good friend of mine. And while I was there, I said, Nadra, I don't want to be a tourist. How about if I do your kitchen? And she goes, oh, Habibi, what does that mean? I said, Nadra, your girls are in their thirties. You got sippy cups in the cupboard. Just let me do what I do. And she said, well, okay. So I did what I do. I did what I did. It was a good result to get back to my desk. At this point, I am a, a director of programs at UCLA Extension. I leave Nadra, I leave Jerusalem, I get back to my desk. And a week later, I learned that my position was being dismantled. My unit was being dismantled, my position eliminated. So two months before I turned 50, I was out of a job. And I had never been out of a job before. I've been working since I was 13 years old. And here I am about to turn 50 going, what the hell? I've got the highest degree in the land. I'm in the land of opportunity in Los Angeles. What's out there? And it was the beginning of the recession. This was June, July of 08. So two months into my layoff, I told Ronnie, my roommate, I'm going to organize until something better comes along. So we looked up organizers. First person to come up, Catherine Macy, reading her website. She's got a PhD in mechanical engineering. And I went, wow, organizers are smart people. And so my roommate knew Catherine. She invited us over for dinner that night. I learned everything about the world of professional organizing. Catherine hired me to be an assistant a couple of times. And I thought, shit, people pay you to declutter and organize? Wow. And, uh, and I thought, I'm going to do this until something better comes along. And nothing has. And it was 14 years ago, September 1st. And I created a seven-figure company. I have 13 hourly employees, three full-time, and we crawl all over Southern California, Orange County, LA County, and we're tasked with clearing space. We're tasked with with helping our clients who are in transition. So we'll work with couples that are divorcing and help them separate tangible personal property. If there is a death in the family, we'll help clear out the estate. We do online estate sale auctions senior move management. I put my company through an accreditation as a senior move management company. And so we do a lot of downsizing of older adults into assisted living, and then we'll help sell the contents of their home. We do household and commercial inventories. And now the PhD stands for piled higher and deeper. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. 
So tell us a little bit about your business model. Like how do you find your customers and that sort of thing? I sit on my ass all day, making it rain in the Zoom room. (laughs) That's what I do. Prior to COVID, I was on the freeway all day, making it rain. And how I make it rain is I, back up, a few years ago, I hired a copywriter to develop my buyer personas. Do you know buyer persona? Mm-hmm. Tell us. Psychographic and demographic of your preferred referral, referral partners or your preferred buyers. Okay. My preferred buyers are professionals in the space of probate trust attorneys, probate and residential realtors, right? People in transition. So the professionals whose clients are in transition. California has a designation of a private professional fiduciaries. We're one of two states with private professional fiduciaries. And then my last target audience are professional women between the ages of 40 and 70, because they tend to be the decision makers in the home when it comes to space, organizing, dealing with their older parents who need to downsize, even if it's not their parents, but their spouse's parents. Don't get me started. That's a, that's my next, that's the book I just wrote, but other story. And so I created buyer, I work with a copywriter to create these buyer personas. So I have a psychographic and demographic of each of these four preferred referral partners. My networking is in those spaces. Mm -hmm. So when I network, I join, I spend a good chunk of change in my budget to be part of professional networking groups that are specific to my target audience. So for example, I, I, uh, there's, there are groups that have been around for a really long time. Lay tip and BNI are two examples. They're, they're fine, but they don't, um, they're not set up to delineate my personal, my best referral partners. I'm in a group right now called provisors. And in provisors, I have an opportunity to go to meetings specifically for trust and estate attorneys and their their referral partners and realist realtors and their referral partners and women's special interest groups. So my networking is very specific, very targeted to my buyer personas. And so I attend, you know, nobody wants to look at my calendar. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm in a meeting, I'm in a Zoom most mornings at 7 a.m. and most days at noon. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we know we tried to book you. I'm just kidding. I know. I, <laughs> I, lofty, I have lofty financial goals. And so that's why, and I keep this on my desk, no head trash. And then the number I'm going to achieve this year. Nice. And and I far exceeded my number last year. So I put this a bit higher than I, you never know. <laughs> I love it. This is really great advice, actually. For, yeah. Like new for people that don't know how to get clients, you know, being so specific about your your buyer persona. That's not well, the thing. And entrepreneurs, I know that here's what I understand. I doesn't matter what I'm good at. What do people need? What are their pain points? Mm-hmm. How do I serve the pain point? Not how do I serve what I'm good at? <laughs> sure. Because I make up silly songs about clutter. There's not a big market for that. (laughs) You never know. You never know. So I'm curious, 
because it sounds like your business really just kind of sprouted from something that you did like as a hobby. So I would love for you to kind of tell us a little bit more about, you know, if you're someone that maybe has wants to start a business and they're not really sure of what to focus on, like how did you decide that that passion of yours or that hobby of yours was where you wanted to take your life, your business? And become a seven-figure entrepreneur. I mean, honestly, I didn't have a passion for it. It wasn't a hobby. In my family of origin, there are six of us, four of us are like me, and two of us need us. Huh. Had I not gone to Jerusalem that week, and I had I not said to Nadra that particular day, I don't want to be a tourist. How about if I do your kitchen? It never occurred to me that A, there would be value, B, that she's not the only one on the planet that would love to hear those words. Yeah. So honestly, Caitlin, I had to eat. Yeah. That was my driving force. When I learned that it's a thing, I was introduced to the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. I looked it up. I became a member. I started documenting the clients because I wanted to earn the certification. So I just it was really not well thought out. <laughs> That's really oh. cool though. Like I, I got chill. I get chills easily, but I got chills when you said this, like when you were, you know, had I not been in Jerusalem that day, had I not said those words, like we never know when that like one thing that we say is going to change our entire lives. I just think that's super cool. But it could have been something else too. That's true. I, mean, I, I just, I, I, um, you know, around the same time, I was on a, I was taking a flight home from Costa Rica and I was sitting next to a really strange straight white guy. And he's telling me about his girlfriend has a speed dating company. I went, speed dating? So I went home and I looked up speed dating for lesbians. No such animal. So I started my own speed dating business. No right? way. Which is, which is the opposite of what I just said. What is their pain point? That's, this was my pain point. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so I started Q2D, Queer Quick Dates, and it's speed dating for lesbians, gays, and HIV positive. And my claim to fame is speed dating 40 drunk lesbians at the Abbey. You haven't lived until you've done that. <laughs> and, and, and then speed dating HIV positive men at the Long Beach Gay and Lesbian Center to see no, nobody had to disclose. It was, this is I who we that. It was, it was unbelievable. So again, um, I would network, right? So I would say one company would declutter your closet and the other one helped keep you out of it. So, <laughs> you know, I'm all about putting, you know, for me, it's how do I put myself ahead of the herd? How do I shine bright? What do I have to do to get noticed? One of the things I do to get noticed is that when I join a networking group, I get involved. I'm on the social committee. I'll help you find speakers. Right. I just got, you know, NSA. I'll do the setup. You know, whenever I join, I get involved and then I have access. I love, I love, wait, I love having access <laughs> <laughs> behind the scenes. I love, love what knowing what's going on. And I'm going to step back a moment and say, and one of the reasons why in the 14 years that I've been doing this, I have published three books. I have hit seven figures. A lot of it has to do with the fact that I am really, really organized. And I'm not saying that to brag. 
It's simply how my brain is wired. Remember I said in my family of origin, there are six of us, four of us are like me and two of us need us. My mom and my, my youngest sister, both diagnosed with ADHD and ADHD is an executive function challenge. And in order to keep your shit together, in order to plan, process, move forward, think in a linear way, your to-do list becomes to done, right? This is, this is how I keep track. I just write it in a spiral notebook. I don't, I don't have, I don't color code it. I don't separate spirals. I don't, I am not a bifurcated person. I take Regina everywhere she needs to go. So my spiral has to go with me wherever I need to go. I'm also not a stupid person. So I could tell if, if Antiqua jewelry is a client, you know, or something <laughs> that I have to go pick up. Yeah. It's not, it's, so I think one of the challenges that entrepreneurs tend to have is that they're so, so many of them are so damn smart, so damn creative and, and, and so not able to hang up their clothes, you know, so not, they just don't have the cognitive bandwidth to notice everything what they tend to notice, these right brain creatives, and I don't mean to speak in these types of generalized way, but the executive function part of our brain is such a significant part of our body that if we're entrepreneurial, one of the things I strongly encourage anybody to do is take the pulse of their organizing skills and ability without, without judgment, without, without um, you know, without, without, you know, being down on yourself without shame, just take a snapshot. How are you as an organized person? Could be, I'm super organized. Great. I've never been organized. Great. This is just good information because moving forward from that information, you've got to start talking to people. What is it that you think you may need? If, if filing is not your thing, if, if, staying on task is very challenging for you, then, then avail yourself to some type of group coaching, counseling. I run a meetup free to the public. Uh, it's called West LA Chad, and it's on Zoom. And Chad is children and adults of ADD. And I'm emphasizing ADHD because a lot of right brain creative people tend toward executive function challenges and mm -hmm. executive function is where, I mean, ADHD could be called executive function dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So entrepreneurs have every, every type of cool imagination and creativity and, and, and everything's possible. They yeah. come out of the Tony Robbins meetings. They come out of what I call the, the conferences of the millionaire mind gurus. You know who they are. They come to our chapter meetings. And if you have clutter, if you're disorganized, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to come out of that meeting so charged up. Yes, I just got to put together mailing list, whatever but you're going to come back to that same desk that you went to the meet that you left when you went to the meeting and you're going to look down and you've got the, uh, the DVDs and the books from the last creative conference that you went to. And that bag has some dust on it. 
<laughs> and it's yeah. not, it's not, it's nothing. It's, you know, we've got to acknowledge that's what's happening. And the other part that I talk a lot about is the, um, the significance of shifting or understanding better your relationship to time. Because mm. we're out of time, we're out of time. There is no time. The time's gotten away from me. Yeah, there are so many platitudes using the word time, and so I encourage people listen to it from your from your own voice. Is this something you say a lot? It's like we 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 were. Uh, I was going to be on in a, on a podcast, and the person who arranged the podcast had back to back to back to back meetings. And by the time they were getting to my podcast, they were exhausted. Sounds like someone here. <laughs> you know, it's people feel shame by it. And and so it's 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 shifting and flipping a relationship to time, or at least at least acknowledging that it's a shitty relationship. Um, to that end, I encourage analog clocks everywhere. To that end. I, I have it, I put it away. There's this great tool called a time timer. <laughs> and a time timer is a, uh, I'm gonna look it up. It's a little box and it's, and it's a, a timer. And what it does is allows you to get a good visual represent, representation of time. You may wanna put this in the show notes since we are, talking about time and being an entrepreneur. And I'm gonna just share the screen. This is what a time timer looks like. And you, you turn as much time as you need and then it clicks off the red. So it's a very visual representation of time. Cause right now looking at my computer, it says 429. That doesn't tell me shit. It tells me that it's 429 but I don't have a visual on how much time has come before or after. Mm. So an analog clock, wherever you sit, and then you have to remind yourself to look at it, setting a time timer. Um, so for entrepreneurs, I think timing, timing is everything. Mm. Uh, it's it's really a task list down to two or three a day. It's, it's, coming to terms with understanding your relationship to prioritization. Yeah. Uh, looking at a priority matrix, there's, you know, urgent, what is it? Um, I didn't know I was going to be talking about this, but if there's only two things that you have to accomplish in one day, how do you get to those two things and then do whatever you can carve out the time for? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as someone who has ADHD and I've talked to you about this many times, Gina, like you've helped me a lot, like just with these little tips. And I was going to ask you more questions on it, but this was a very thorough segment. <laughs> you gave a lot of great tips and it was very helpful. So thank you for sharing. And I'm fascinated by this topic as well. And I love that you are fascinated and you don't have ADHD, but your mom and sister do. You said, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, that yeah. so I have a question for you. You built a seven figure company. Congratulations. Like, how did you get there? You mentioned you writing down a number. Like, are you a law of attraction type of person? Like, how did you get there? <laughs> I sit on my ass in the Zoom room making it rain. 
I'm not kidding. It's, I'm not strategic per se. Um, okay, so here's where I am strategic. Four and a half years ago, I was on a panel for the product or NAPO, the organizer conference, and it was called, Oh, the places you will go, the life cycle of a professional organizer. And uh, one of the members on the four person panel talked about wanting to create a seven figure organizing business. And, uh, and so 10 of us got together and created a brain trust. And it was organizers all around the country. We meet on Zoom once a month and uh, we have a four day business development in person once a year, somewhere in the country. Oh, cool. So it's that kind of a commitment. Nice. So that was strategic. It, <laughs> it's just like, how, how do you do it? You have to scale. I knew right away. I mean, I started this when I was 50 years old and I knew that if I'm going to make any kind of money, it's not going to be just on my back. I know this is a really ridiculous analogy, but I thought about it at the time. You know, a prostitute will um, earn money on her back. And but if she really wants to buy a house, she's got to open a brothel and she's got to scale her business. This isn't that different. <laughs> That's funny. Do you feel like your book, so talk to us about your book. Has that helped you scale your business or was no. that kind of my something? Book, my books are my calling cards for the shit I want to speak about. I mean, okay. I am not willing to invest the, um, from what I understand, large chunks of change to promote to a bestseller. I wasn't willing to invest the large chunks of change nor my time to create a bestseller because I'm making it rain in a clear path. Right. So my like part, why? yeah. But is know. it linked to your book at all? Like are people seeing you as this author and this expert and that's why they're hiring you? Is. My, my book, Psychic Debris, Crowded Closets, The Relationship Between the Stuff in Your Head and What's Under Your Bed, that's definitely related to a clear path. But I knew that, you know, just as I knew I was going to be, when I scaled my business, I, I started at 50. I knew one day I was going to be 60. And I knew that I wanted to have the choice of if I'm going to haul a hefty bag over my shoulder. And I would do it because I want to show off my biceps, not because I have to. So I wanted to be able to show up at jobs and go, here's the pizza. I'll get that bag for you. So that's the company I created. My latest book is Emotional Labor, Why a Woman's Work is Never Done and What to Do About It. That was born out of my desire, a desire that came later on, later in my 50s, about wanting to be a professional speaker. And then as the idea for emotional labor came up, I thought, that's the subject matter expert I want to be. And so to that end, I just started working with a publicist, Kara Stewart, and I'm going to start my podcast. And I delegate everything. Another tip for an entrepreneur, delegate everything. Delegate, delegate, delegate. Mm -hmm. If you don't think you can't afford it, you can't afford not to. If you don't know who to delegate, just delegate it. If it doesn't have the right outcome, redelegate it. If it's not perfect, change your idea of perfect. I delegate and it keeps me from having any guilt when I go on vacation or do self-care. Love that. I know that other people are taking care of things. And one of the reasons I think, especially for women, have a lot of guilt when they're doing self-care is because they're leaving things undone. So I'm a huge proponent of delegation. 
I'm a huge proponent of really understanding our relationship with time. I'm a big proponent of getting to what are the pain points out there that I can serve. You know, it's not about me as an entrepreneur. It's about what do people need from me? And then how do I, how do I deliver? Yeah. Wow. So where do you see, where do you see yourself? Where do you see your business in like five years and 10 years? Do you, do you like to like future forecast like that? Or are you kind of day by day type of person? (laughs) I, I, um, so I started at 50 and I'll be 64 next month. So that's 14 years. The next 14 years, I'm going to be 70, 64, 74, 78. So at 78, back up, I have a very good friend, Sue. Sue and I are both single lesbians in our 60s. And we talk about what is 75 going to look like. And we talk about creating an intergenerational women's living community. The The old ones will do the taxes. The young ones will do the heavy lifting. I love it. Nice. We were talking and, and Sue said, how about the coast of Oregon? And I said, as long as it's near an airport. And she goes, why an airport? I said, because I'm going to be keynoting around the world. I want to be able to get in and out. She goes, what about 75? I said, Sue, my mom's 86. She teaches swimming in her backyard. I mean, it's it's whatever you make. Good gene. Yeah, that's and true. So I'll be keynoting and probably making it rain because I could do that on my ass and just I love it live it so do you feel like you want to transition your business more into the into keynoting or do you want to continue kind of all the I want to transition because I believe that it's it's I'm I'm moving in that direction as I'm able to make it rain in the zoom room so I don't know I, I don't know. There's a, right now, there are a lot of people who depend on my activities um, in the Zoom room. Uh, is there somebody that can transition and take my place? I, that person has not been identified, but. But it's not out of the question. No, no. Selling it wouldn't be out of the question. Yeah. I'm hearing yeah. more and more about organizers selling their companies. When we became an accredited senior move management company, it was a pretty arduous process to become accredited. But after I went through it, I thought, shit, I could sell this now because of how the accreditation required me to look at five silos, employee, um, personnel, financial, um, three other things. And I had to provide all the documentation for that. And I thought, oh, this, this. This is sellable now because I have all the components in place and I kept my name out of it. It's a clear path. It's not Regina Lark organizing. Yeah, that's that was smart. I think people need to do more of that. Okay. I have, I have, we're wrapping up here. We're running out of time, but we have a few more questions. So you are an out and proud lesbian. Uh, fellow LGBT entrepreneur. And I don't know, I, I just think many LGBT folks, since a lot of us endured like a lot of shit, you know, like growing up and being closeted and a lot of these things, I just think we make great entrepreneurs. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, how has it helped you? And you, do you think? Um, fearlessness. That's big. Fearless. Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, 
I hadn't thought about it. What I, I was just interviewed for a dissertation for a research project of a friend who's doing her dissertation on, uh, on happenstance, like how do LGBT entrepreneurs, um, ooh, she'd be a good person for your podcast. And I think she's a, she's an under 40 person. Nice. nice. Jessica Seastead. And, That's um, great. And she's looking at LGBT entre LGBTQ entrepreneurs and, and happenstance. So what happens, you know, how do you respond to your environment? How do you respond to your work? How do you respond when, as an LGBT person? I hadn't thought about myself as queer. I mean, I loved having my speed dating company because I loved saying one will keep you out of the closet and one will help. <laughs> yeah, what a good tagline. <laughs> one will help clear it. I just love, what did she just say? Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> you have a lot of moments like that, I feel like. <laughs> That's awesome. But I think being fearless, I think um, uh, awareness, awareness of, of the rights that I, at, that I am afforded, awareness of, of how other people live. I think my understanding of discrimination and objectification uh, and and then how do i how do i help create gender equity i mean one of the things about about my book the emotional labor book the bottom line is creating gender equity at home i don't care if you're lgbtq cisgender female cisgender male it's like how do you create gender equity so my 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 own work in diversity equity and inclusion and and the the training that i have done and the training that i get i think because i'm queer has provided me with the um with the opportunities to take advantage of that of that learning totally mm -hmm. and that's something i actually want to ask you about dei uh, we've talked about it many times in the past uh, like for entrepreneurs out there like what is DEI and why is it so important? Well, the acronym DEI is diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really hit our national agenda after the murder of George Floyd. And it's like, how are we as a humanity going to embrace the people who don't look like us or think like us or act like us? Why is it important uh, aside from wanting to align with humanity it's great for the bottom line if you are able to embrace who who comes into your sites without rancor without judgment without uh, you know with meaning no matter who they are you know there was this thing recently and it's uh how why is why is under why is having to why do we want to learn how to pronounce other people's names? It's their name. Mm -hmm. Naming is important. It's this thing that we are conferred from birth unless we decide to change it. But it's this thing that we have all through our life for the rest of our life. Why wouldn't we want to honor that person by knowing how to pronounce their name? Mm -hmm. I, right. I, I mean, for me, it gets to be that simple. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want someone to know that that I'm I'm here to meet you where you live. Yeah. It's a that's a great example. It's like that's that's humanity. It's like basic human things. Yeah. Like human decency. That. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, this has been really great. We have one more question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, do you believe that entrepreneurs are born or bred? Can you become one later? Case in point. <laughs> well, honey, I, I, I don't know. My, my parents became more entrepreneurial. My mother, I was raised with uh, an entrepreneurial spirit, I guess, although we were so disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Anyway, <laughs> I was working on my dissertation. I was going to have a company called, um, I got as far as business cards. Real, <laughs> it was called Real History, R-E-E-L, Real History for TV and Research for TV and Film. I love the idea of it. I got as far as business cards. Writing a dissertation is a very entrepreneurial undertaking. But prior to my dissertation, I always worked for somebody else. So my entrepreneurial spirit, the spirit of independent thinking has always been there. Had UCLA, after I was laid off from that one job at UCLA, had one of the other departments at UCLA hired me, I would have, I would have done that. Mm -hmm. So for me, my entrepreneurial life was born out of i gotta eat yeah right and necessity getting hired so but you've always had that spirit but there's always been something in me yeah yeah exactly that you were born with maybe yeah. or developed yeah <laughs> you have that little spunk happy <laughs> 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 yeah you are awesome regina this has been amazing i actually i'd love to hear your clutter song as an outro, if you want to do it. Do it. Okay. <laughs> I should get a, a pitch pipe. <laughs> Imagine there's no clutter. It isn't hard to do. No need for too much. A little bit is cool. Imagine kitchen counters with just a bowl of fruit. Ooh, ooh. Wow. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have applause there. We're ending, ending on that. That's so yeah, good. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Regina Lark at let's see a clearpath.com, a clearpath.com. And then for my uh, my book and my speaking and podcasting, it's reginalark.com. Awesome. Regina, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, you were amazing. So good to have you on. Nice to see you. Oh my, that was so fun. I, She's awesome. I love her. She just like her energy is so good. <laughs> yeah, good vibe. She's so fun. Uh, yeah, it was great. That was a good, easy interview. Regina, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for making our jobs easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we'll see you in a couple weeks. See you next time. All right. Peace. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the 40 Under 40 podcast with Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.